I want to take just four verses from the prologue to John's Gospel for us to kind of feast on this morning. And um, the way I'm going to do the reading is I'm just going to read them in four slightly different versions so that you kind of you kind of get them, you soak in them a little bit before we open them up. And it's verses 14 to 18, but I'm, I'm leaving out for the sake of continuity verse 15, which is kind of a, a reference to John the Baptist on the way. So here we go. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father and has made him known. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only Son who is at the Father's heart has made him known. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only son who is at the father's heart who has made him known. We've seen his glory on the one hand and on the other, no one has ever seen God. And in between those two, there is a mystery. And I want to talk this morning about being hungry for God and about the presence of God. You never know when you're going to walk into a place, whether this room or the place you pray at home or a beautiful hillside or valley, and God is there. The tangible presence of goodness of God, his tangible beauty, that kind of, that sense of the Holy Spirit's imminent and real present. You never know when you're just going to walk into some place and God is there. 
all the spiritual disciplines and practices from prayer and fasting and Bible reading, coming here to worship, setting yourself to walk in the way of Jesus, they all bring us soul and body to the Father and to become hungry for him. And it is impossible for us to know God unless he reveals himself to us. Jesus revealed the Father. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. The whole Bible is full of prayers and longings and beseeching that God would come. All through the Psalms, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. And yes, part of it is come down so that you can deal with our enemies, but it's much more than that. It's desire for God himself. The high point of the temple in Jerusalem was when the cloud filled it and you couldn't even go in. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, they weren't asking for instruction on the mechanics of intercession. They wanted to encounter the Father the way that Jesus did. The Beatitudes, kind of the first next steps for those who come to faith. Finding God and his kingdom. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God and not just in the life to come. The New Testament letters are full of it as well. Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and know this love that surpasses knowledge. Now this prayer kind of embodied maybe and summed up for us in the prayer that you often hear people say here, come Holy Spirit, can be confusing. Because isn't God, theologically speaking, omnipresent? In other words, isn't God everywhere? And if God is everywhere, then why do we need to desire and long for his presence? You know, isn't it like praying, come oxygen? Why would you need to pray, come oxygen? Oxygen is already in the room. Isn't it just, you know, the wind always blows, but our sails are not always trimmed to the wind, so it's it's not that God is coming, it's more that we're adjusting or increasing or changing our own awareness of the Father. But although God's omnipresence is true, that doesn't explain the biblical longing from the beginning of Genesis through to the end of Revelation, which ends with, 
Come, Lord Jesus, for the actual, tangible, manifest presence of God, which is different from the fact that, as Hebrews says, God sustains the whole universe through his powerful word. That is true, but it's not the same as God's manifest presence. Anne and I went to Italy on holiday. We had a great time. And um, we also went to Assisi, which is another story. I'm going to let Anne tell that one time. It was amazing. Blew us away. Not what we were expecting. But one of the things we noticed as we went round the very many churches and cathedrals, not that's what we spend most of our holiday doing. I don't want to pretend that we do. But we do like to go and see them. And we noticed there's a big, big difference Most of them, they're kind of there and they are beautiful, but you get the sense that there isn't really a worshipping community, not really. But in one or two places, and Assisi was one of them, but so was a little church up in the mountains, you go there on Sunday and the place is packed because there's something real there. There's a presence there, there's a life there that isn't necessarily there in some of the more famous other buildings because people want it. They're hungry for it. And um, one morning, just before we were coming home, Anne and I went round this monastery because it had beautiful gardens and buildings. We wanted somewhere quiet to sit, to get ready for coming back. And um, meanwhile, the sort of... The, the service was going on in the building just next to us and it was beautiful. It was full of the presence of God. Jesus told the disciples he would send the Spirit, the Counselor, so that when he ascended into heaven, they didn't have to be devastated because they lost him. That is more than the universal presence of God in creation. When the first Christians gathered to worship, when they sang worship songs like we do, when they shared the bread and the wine like we do, what they longed for was God's manifest, tangible presence and what happens when the Holy Spirit turns up. And down the years, even in the driest seasons of the church, At the heart of the communion liturgy is the prayer called the epiclesis, the calling down from on high by which the minister invokes the Holy Spirit over the bread and the wine. Come, Holy Spirit, that this bread and this wine may be to us the presence of Jesus when I was at theological college, we spent quite a bit of time debating whether the epiclesis should become before the an- amnesis, which is the remembering the words of Jesus, or after the amnesis. One of them's in the Western tradition and one of them's in the Eastern tradition. Um, and if you're at all interested in where your epiclesis should be, please talk to Mike Rutter after the service. <laughs> But we didn't spend very much time 
thinking about what it actually means when God just shows up. And we gather here for many reasons. To receive from the scriptures, to meet and encourage each other, to reorientate our hearts and our thinking towards God for fellowship. But right at the centre of why we come here is the longing for God's presence. And if we come in pain, whatever sort of pain it is, it's kind of longing for God to meet us at our point of need. If we come with joy, we want to meet him there as well. And there are a couple of health warnings. The Holy Spirit and the presence of God are not here so that you can have an experience or get what you need to live life on your own terms. God does love to meet us. He wants intimacy with us more than we do. He comes to bless more than we can imagine. But he sets the agenda and we do not. And we're blessed not just for ourselves, but so that we can be a blessing. And what that means is that what you came for today and what God chooses to give you today might not be the same thing. And our cultural pictures that we have at the moment of the supernatural, they're quite trivial ones, aren't they? You know, they're kind of supernatural powers, superpowers, kind of Batman, Superman, X-Men, Guardians of the Galaxy, whatever you like in the fantasy world. But that kind of understanding of the supernatural, it's all kind of powers that are available for you to master and make your own and use on your terms according to your agenda. And you might have a very good purpose, like saving the universe or whatever, but it's still for you on your terms as you want to do it. The Holy Spirit's not like that at all. The Holy Spirit is not like that. The Holy Spirit is the manifest presence of the Lord of the universe, and he sets the agenda. So that's kind of the first health warning. Secondly, we're different, you might have noticed, and we relate to God in different ways. Some people are naturally very at home in worship like this. Others are more naturally contemplative in their spirituality and on your own is easier for you. There's no right or wrong about that. But I want to encourage you not to use it as an out. Kind of imagine that all of us are homeless and have no money or resources and we're kind of at um, the Salvation Army or somewhere like that because they're going to give us a free lunch, which is actually not a bad picture of how we come to God. We'd be really stupid if we didn't have the food because it wasn't our favourite lunch. We'd be really stupid if, oh, you know, I'd rather have boiled potatoes. I'm not really up for pasta. When... When you're hungry, you take the food that's on offer. 
So if you are naturally contemplative, push into what happens here when we're singing. Do not do, well, you know, it's all very well, but I'm, you know, it's not really... Push in as much as you possibly can. If you find it natural to worship like this, but much harder on your own, do not use that as an out. Put the time in your diary. Push in to being with God on your own. We are designed for and defined by our relationships. Seeking God's face is a command, not an option for the spiritual, spiritually keen. Complacency is a huge, huge danger for us. Especially in the West, where, you know, it's easy to belong to church. It doesn't you know, particularly cost us to belong to church. God loves our love. He loves our hunger for him. He wants intimacy with us much more than we do with him. So how do you practically do it? How do you stir up hunger for God's presence in you? And and how do we do it for each other? Hunger and faith are very much related to each other because you can't be hungry for God unless you believe that he's there, unless you believe that he loves you and he wants to meet you. So kind of hunger and faith are intimately related. Well, you can set your heart to obey him in your life day by day and hour by hour. You can set your heart to walk in the ways of Jesus because what we do says much more about us than what we say. But very simply, you could just ask. You could just ask for more of the tangible presence, the manifest presence of God to meet you where he needs to meet you. You could just ask. Here is some of Jesus' teaching. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. One time, Peter and John were with Jesus on the top of the mountain, just them, and is just before the gospel switches to the really hard bit. And the cloud came down like it did in the temple. And Peter and John were terrified. And Jesus spoke with 
Moses and Elijah and kind of got ready to do what he called accomplish his departure. And Peter kind of babbled about making some churches for Moses, Elijah and Jesus to inhabit and stuff like that. But I wonder if it was that episode that John was thinking of when he wrote we have seen his glory the glory of a father's only son full of grace and truth I wonder if it was that that was in John's mind when he wrote those words about seeing Jesus' glory so I want to encourage you to be hungry and if you recognise a little bit of complacency and not really bothered in yourself to own it admit it acknowledge it to the Father and choose to press into his presence choose to press into his presence it's not just an individual thing what we do together And how we worship him together affects each of us in our walk with God. And I'm going to make some room now. We're just going to have some worship. And for anybody who wants that, who's hungry, or even if you need to take a step back from that and you just want to be hungry, then I want to invite you to come forward and we'll pray for you. love to pray for you. And just... um, A couple of words that we had, we pray before the service and um, some of them are for healing, some of them aren't. And one of the really kind of vivid ones for me was a castle. You know how they have that portcullis in front of them? And the portcullis was lifted. And that's about somebody or more than one person who thinks that this the tangible presence of God is not for them. You know, other people can have that, but you can't. And God says, you can have it. Today, the portcullis is coming up for you. Then there was a children's song. I'll say, I won't sing it for you. It's one, two, three, Jesus loves me. And it kind of the point of it was, you're making it too complicated. You're making faith too complicated, just come. Then there were practical things, because it didn't make any difference to God, you know, spiritual, physical, it's all one for the Father. Pain in your right eye, possibly related to a migraine. Pain in your right foot, and not sleeping, because you have raging thoughts. So we're all going to stand and worship, and uh, if, if you sense the prompt of the Holy Spirit, and just come to the front. Don't have to say anything or do something, but it's kind of a sign of hunger.